Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. Welcome, everyone, to Lucha World Podcast, episode number 126. Fredo Esparza here, and this week we will recap CMLL's Copa Junior VIP show, which streamed on Ticketmaster Live this past Friday, March 26th. It only aired live, so you had to pay for it to watch it that very day. Uh, Unfortunately, as I said previously, Ticketmaster Live does not have a VOD option, so... Um, if you didn't watch it live, pretty much you're left to figure out ways to find it either from somebody who either recorded the show some way, somehow, or maybe if it re-airs at a later date, um, like on Samurai TV in Japan, maybe someone will upload that version, which is clipped. Um, honestly, usually the the CML shows that air, that are the big shows that air on, on Samurai TV are usually clipped down to like an hour 50, two hours. So and they usually just clip the undercard and for the most part they air a large chunk of the the main events um, since those are really the matches that they want to show unless there's an undercard match with the um, someone from Japan that's on from New Japan Pro Wrestling that's on the show um, but for the most part they they try to air the the as much as possible of the show and maybe maybe that way the, those who missed it out on it you might be able to find it see it that way it's an unfortunate thing that. Ticketmaster Live and CMLL don't realize that they're losing money not making this available beyond watching it live. And it's very difficult. I actually watched it just because I was home. But um, if they continue this down the road, especially as the pandemic, um, if there is an end to this pandemic and we return to some level of normalcy and they continue to do Ticketmaster Live as an option for those who can't attend Arena Mexico, who don't live in Mexico City... I don't know how we're going to be able to watch this because a lot of us Friday nights are usually nights where a lot of us go out um, or, you know, we might be busy. Something comes up and we're watching something else or we're, you know, visiting family or friends or, you know, whatever. Something comes up and so it's going to be difficult to watch those shows. So I don't know. I, I kind of think CML at some point has to figure this out. And the one thing I will say is that for the most part, as far as a partner in the streaming service, um, considering CML has used other services in the past, Ticketmaster Live 
as it's streaming live, like on, at, at, in real time, it actually, I don't, I have fewer issues with it for the most part. If there's any issues, it's usually on my end because my internet might slow down or something might happen to it or my browser or whatever I'm watching it on um, gets a little bit on um, the computer. Something gets um, wonky with it. But for the most part, I don't have any, I haven't had any issues with their um, service. The, the times I've watched it, it's an unfortunate thing where you can't really rewind. Um, you know, you can't go back and watch something or there's no VOD option where you could watch it later on. But as far as the live experience, it's actually pretty good compared to what I've had from other um, what I've seen from other services that CML and other Lucha promotions I've used where um, the feed won't even start up or it'll be absolutely awful. Uh, to be fair, though, CML continued the tradition of opening the show without any audio for the announcers, which is a time-honored tradition in CMLL. I will say that the they did fix it, but for whatever reason, and I think most of you who have been who have watched CML shows in the past will also notice that for whatever reason their audio is really hot loud like it's like at a what you know if you watch the spinal tap movie there's a there's um they always went to the you know when they had they show that that knob for the volume they always go to the 11th decibel it kind of seems like cml does that for their shows um i didn't notice it at first but um when i put it on when i switched over to headphones it was really loud i think i, I lowered my um audio down to like um, half of what I normally use for anything else, any other service, be it when I watch on YouTube or WWE Network or you know Netflix, anything else, I had to lower it. Um, I don't know what the deal is with CMLL, um, their audio, but you know that was really the only issue. As far as video, it was perfectly fine. I, I had no no problems with the show. They they they're still they're they're still empty arena matches, um, their shows. It's not um, there's no people attending. I think maybe they have some of the, the the staff members in the crowd, but it's not very noticeable. And you really, you don't really see anybody nearby. They have two ring girls. Um, that's basically all they have. Uh, Erica and I think Shida Shida was the other one, um, and that's basically. It. And then obviously the two referees. Um, they don't have any of the older referees. The refereeing this in, on this show was done by Olimpico. And I think Ed Noriega were the only two that were handling um, officiating since it was only four matches. I thought the show at certain points was dragging on just because, um, especially during the Copa Junior uh, VIP, um, it kind of felt like the match was just going on and on and on. Uh, but I think the show was actually somewhere in the two and a half hour, three hour range. Uh, so it wasn't that bad of a, a, a time. I think the one thing I will say is that from the women's match, the Copa Junior VIP and the main event, the effort was very strong in those three matches. The one match that really the, the effort can be questioned is the, the trios title match. I don't know if it was so much the effort, just the, well, really, I guess you could say it's the effort just because the guys were pretty much just doing the, just going by the numbers and doing the same stuff they always do in their matches. Um, but, you know, overall, I thought the show was good. Uh, I would definitely recommend watching the main event. Um, the other three matches, I mean, if you don't watch them, you're, 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 you're not going to lose any sleep over it. The show started off with the women's match, which on Wednesday, CML Informa Julio Cesar Rivera just clarified that this would not be for the national women's tag team titles. La Jaruchita and Yuvia are the current champions, and they actually brought out the titles and they actually wore matching outfits, which I thought was really cool. Same thing with Dallas and Stephanie Vacker. They wore matching robes. So that was kind of a cool thing to see that 
um, they were kind of putting in a little more time in as far as what they, um, the tag teams are supposed to look like. And I thought that was a, a nice little bonus for the as far as the women um, doing that. The match itself I thought was okay. I really liked Harochita and Stephanie Vacker in the match. Yuvia tried her best as well. Dallas, I think the one thing I will give Dallas credit for is that she didn't turn this into the Dallas match. And in fact, this might have been her best match that she's had on a on a CMLL big event. I will consider this a big event since this is a this is a, a show that they have a title for, which is Copa Junior VIP. Anything that has a any show that's given a, a, a title like Dos Leyendas, uh, CMLL Aniversario. This being Copa Junior VIP, I'll, I'll I'll call it a big show, and I think this was um, this was probably Dallas's best performance in a big show in a, in a long time, or if ever, because she's been in a few stinkers. That match, the match with Metallica um, on the anniversary show. There's been a few others that have been very bad. Um, this one was far better, and you know I I gotta give credit um, to Yuvia as well. She was um, she looked a lot better in this match as well. She wasn't. I still think she's not that good, but um, she wasn't that far off from her from her partner and um, Stephanie Vacker. I thought Stephanie Vacker and Harochita. Harochita easily is the best female in the promotion right now. Um, unfortunately, they don't push her at that, that way. They kind of focus when it comes to big singles pushes. It's usually still Dallas and Marcella getting the big push. But I think I think Harochita, they kind of have to like switch over to her just because the other two women have been around for such a long time, especially Marcella who's been around since the beginning of, of, the, of the restart of the division. Um, I think they really have to go. With, and I think this is a good thing, the fact that they had the titles and didn't have them drop them immediately. I don't think there should be like oh they did it on the later on but there shouldn't be as many title changes especially with with people who have won titles recently during the this um this period of the empty arenas the pandemic I think this is this is where they kind of have to use the time to build them up and I thought they did a great job building La Harochita and Yuvia up as a tag team um Stephanie Backer is really good um, she did she did some submission work throughout the match. You could tell she's she's trained with um, on the independent scene because she does a little bit more of that than uh, most of the women that are trained in CML tend to be more. Um, you know they don't really they come across a little more mechanical, um, and Becker doesn't. She's far crisper in the ring, uh, so I thought they did really well. You know for an opening match, I thought it was a good match. Okay, um, opener. After that, we get the. Copa Junior VIP, which Angel de Oro ended up winning. Uh, on Twitter, I accidentally wrote that Niebla Roja won it the first time. But, you know, honestly, Angel de Oro, Angel de Oro Niebla Roja, you can't really tell them they're brothers. Uh, sometimes you'll mix them up. It happens. Niebla Roja, I should mention Niebla Roja's uh, currently, they mentioned in on CML Informa that Niebla Roja isn't traveling as much to work shows. I think he does work a couple of shows, but he, he'll usually go back to the... He's he's living part of the time in, in the United States because he has family. And uh, so Angel de Oro was the only one representing the the the, the group of, um, of Niebla Roja and Terrible in this match, Copa Junior VIP. The Battle Royale only lasted two minutes. I did not pay attention too much to this Battle Royale other than just the fact that they really just... You know, I think the one thing, the highlight was really Felino Jr. just jumping out of the ring to to team up, to be on the team that had his his dad on it. So um, it really, it, it wasn't that important. Ultimo Guerrero on CML Informa talked about how important a battle royal 
determining the the two sides in a torneo cibernetico was and um i i think that's just him trying to keep battle royals existing within cmll because um this they could do they could have done without this and just picked the, the two teams you know coin flips for everyone to decide who was in the in this match um and which side they would be but um overall i thought this was a um this match uh, a cubs fan had a timed at 46 minutes I kind of thought that this match went a little too long. Um, I think, it, and I think it was. I think he is right on this because if you include the the introductions, it felt like this match went on for like about an hour, and it it really felt like that. It if they would have if it went forty six minutes long, I really think had they cut it down to maybe a 30, 35 minute match, this match would have been a good match because very early on they were doing a lot of stuff. They were trying, the guys were trying out a lot of different things. They were doing some different matches, matchups. Um, I thought that was really cool to see. Um, they had Nero Casas confronting um, Felino and then later on uh, facing off against Felino Jr. I thought Sobrano Jr. and uh, I think it was Star Jr. who had a, had a little bit of a, um, no, I think it was Sobrano Jr. and Atlantis Jr. that, that had a little bit of um, a back and forth. Well, I think for the most part, the technicals did a few uh, moments where they were actually going against each other and it, it, it came off really well. Um, but very early on, I think if you watch the first 15 to 20 minutes of this match, um, you really see what CMLL could really be if they just got rid of all the bad wrestlers on the roster because these guys were really putting a lot of effort. And not only were they putting on in a lot of effort, but they were all, they're all very talented. And then like a guy like Dragon Rojo Jr., who is coming back from an injury, he isn't... Um, I wouldn't say he's bad because... I actually liked the Dragon Rojo Jr. Pulvera tag team when they were um, when they were healthy and they were together and doing a lot of work together. Um, but you could kind of tell that the wear and tear of injuries has kind of slowed him down. Not that he was that great to begin with. As far I would say he's, I would say he's kind of like a middle of the pack wrestler. Which you know, back in you know five years ago, that was like an acceptable spot. Whereas now being middle of the pack in CMLL pretty much means you're pretty much on the upper echelon of the guys because there's so many bad um, workers underneath. I mean, when you have Dark Magic and Okumura, who's been injury riddled as well uh, over the years, and they're kind of working the third or fourth match on on CMLL shows, that kind of tells you where um, Dragon Rojo Jr. is probably going to end up being in the, in, the, in those positions uh, positions as well. Um, so, but. You know, I, I think you could hide a guy like that on as far as um, in a torneo cibernetico just because, you know, he, how much is he going to do? He's just going to be in there, do a few spots, and then get out. Uh, the one thing I do think is him coming back. I think it kind of hurt some of the other guys because they kept him in there for a little longer than than you really would have wanted him to be on, in there. Um, I kept looking to see how, how his return would have affected Felino Jr. because they're really battling... Those two guys are really battling for a spot higher on the on the CMLL Rudo pecking order, and I kind of thought that they, um, depending on where they were going to be, it um, it really would determine what you know whether or not it was worth it to change, especially for Felino Jr. Was it worth it for him to go from Tiger to Felino Jr. For the most part, early on, I was kind of focusing on Felino Jr. How long he would last in this torneo cibernético and. He kind of ended up going past the first half of the group of guys, so um, I would say that probably means that he's going to be a little bit higher on 
I don't know. Maybe I would say it might be possible that he ends up being higher in the pecking order. But, you know, honestly, it being CMLL, um, you never know what's going on with them because they could just suddenly, for the most part, there's only like a handful of guys that they really focus on in the in the main event and semi-main event group. And honestly, Felino Jr. kind of is already in that, you know, the 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 third match on the card lineup. So, and for the time being, we're not really getting third match. We're not getting a full six or five, six uh, match card um, in CMLL because they're doing mostly TV tapings and these internet pay-per-views that usually don't have a full um, lineup because of the, you know, they're they're trying to limit the amount of people at, on shows. Um, but, you know, what was interesting to me was that Mephisto was the first one eliminated. Um, that kind of surprised me, but um, they didn't eliminate them anybody right away. They waited until about the 12-minute mark, and everybody got to show something in the match. Um, I thought Nero Casas, for somebody who's 60 years old, and given the schedule that they the limited, the, the very sporadic schedule that everyone's on right now in CMLL. You have to remember these guys usually wrestled, um, you know, you basically had Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday shows, and then they would pick up a couple of indie dates in between as well if they weren't booked on, on some of the CMLL shows. So usually they would work maybe, what, three to four shows in CMLL and then one or two or more indie, indie shows. So... You know, the fact that they're not really getting that right now, just getting, they're basically just doing CMLL tapings right now. And who knows that I think they only like do a handful per per week, per per week or however, ever since it's restarted because they weren't doing that stuff earlier on. They're not doing a lot of indie stuff either. So it's not as, um, you know, a lot, the fact that these guys were able to do work really well and Casas being the age that he is, he looked tremendous. He looked in amazing shape and, and looked great in the match. So the first one being eliminated, obviously being Mephisto, uh, that was then followed by Felino. Um, Star Jr. was next to be eliminated. Star Jr. looked really good in this match. Also, him he had some good chemistry with Felino Jr. Um, that's something that I kind of hope they kind of start to bring in a little bit more of. After after Star Jr., Stuka Jr. was eliminated by Nero Casas. The big surprise came up next when Atlantis Jr. eliminated Soberano Jr. with the Atlantida. Um, that really surprised me, the fact that that happened. When Atlantis Jr. eliminated Soberano Jr., I kind of thought maybe that meant that he was going to go a little bit further. Um, but I think he might have been another person who was kind of like the victim of Dragon Rojo Jr. being in this match. And maybe that they, they kind of felt that they kind of wanted to make him look good in this. Um, but I thought maybe Atlantis Jr. would have been in that final four um, in the end. Um, but he ended up not lasting that much longer. Um, Nero Casas was then the other surprise that was he was eliminated by Dragon Rojo Jr. Like I said, I kind of thought that him Dragon Rojo Jr. coming back kind of felt like he was going to be the one that was going to get the a little bit more of a uh, of a rub. I think he's a guy that's kind of he's he comes across as a good guy when he does um, CMLL and Forma, and you know the times that I've interacted with him, he's been very um, very friendly, very easy going to deal with. Um, so I get the feeling that maybe he's very well liked by the by the uh, by the the programming department and the office. So maybe that's also part of the re- and he's coming back from an injury after being out of the out of wrestling for two years. So they I think they kind of wanted to make him come across as being you know special. That was then followed by Felino Jr. being elim- eliminated by Mystico. He ended up being seventh eliminated, so he lasted more than halfway. That was then followed by At- Atlantis Jr. getting eliminated by Angel de Oro. Then we had a, a weird sequence where um, Dragon Rojo's mask fell off while he was 
battling Mystico. I think he was in the Tree of Woe when it just slipped off completely. And the referee had no other choice than to disqualify Mystico. Mystico kind of argued about it. I think Angel Doro went for a pin on him as well, which was confusing. Uh, but that then eliminated Mystico. Caristico then eliminated Dragon Rojo with a cradle. And then finally we get Angel Doro versus um, Caristico with Angel Doro beating Caristico with his own move, La Mystica. Um, that was a big um, win. I, it's kind of funny that he was celebrating with the with the with the trophy and and doing all this stuff when he really probably should have um, broken the trophy and or said something like not caring about it since they were just he's now part of a faction that supposedly doesn't care about um, titles winning or losing and here he is celebrating and enjoying it. So obviously this this new version of that group is going to be different to the previous one. And we will talk about that afterwards after this because I have a little bit more of a, a thought as far as what direction that's going and why CMLL decided to bring that group back again. Um, after that match, well, like I said, Copa Junior VIP, I thought was a good match. I think had it gone a little shorter, like I said, 10 minutes, it would have been a lot um, better. I think that might have been the, the the downfall, especially the final, sec- the final sequence, the final couple of minutes. Um, it kind of... The Dragon Rojo Jr. Mystico stuff kind of got confusing and it kind of like lowered expect. I think there was also the, uh, the, the, the other thing is I think it's a, a little bit too predictable. The fact that they went to Angel Doro, Caristico, Mystico were like the three guys that everybody kind of was picking to either be one, one of the likely winner of this um, Copa Jr. VIP. I think that's, that's why I thought they should have gone a little bit further with Atlantis Jr. or Felino Jr. kind of being in that final four because that would have at least been something different. Uh, maybe even, honestly, I think they should have gone Atlantis Jr. all the way to the final with him facing um, Angel de Oro. That would have been, even if Angel de Oro wins, I think that would have just been something that would have been a little bit different. Just the fact that Atlantis Jr. reached that point or, you know, had Felino Jr. reached, you know, eliminated Mystic or something. I think that would have actually added a little bit more. Um, to me, the big surprise, like I said, was Atlantis Jr. Um, eliminating Soberano Jr., who is higher on the pecking order in CMLL. And that, that kind of um, that kind of surprised me. But I think it's, it was a good surprise. Um, that was then, this after that match, that was, we were, we were, going to witness a battle of Rudos versus Rudos in a trios match for the CMLL World Trios titles as the girls Laguneros defended the titles against La Nueva Generación Dinamita of Sansón Cuastrero Forastero. Nueva Generación Dinamita ended up winning the titles. This match, I thought the first two falls were absolutely boring. It was funny because when I wrote that on Twitter, someone um, replied, to my comment saying don't watch it and I hate when people do that to anyone who's watching a show especially somebody that actually paid to watch the show and they're giving your the, your their opinion of a match and your response is to say don't watch it that is if you're not if you're watching it if you're not watching it shut the fuck up if you're watching it give your opinion on why you think the match you disagree with that person's opinion that is perfectly fine but to say don't watch it i think is really stupid because obviously no one goes into watching a uh, paying for a wrestling show expecting the show to be shit they're actually hoping that they'll be entertained hoping that there will be good matches it's not like you're going to go in there and expect oh my god i don't want to watch anything good 
And I even said this in the preview to this show, the, the previous podcast, that I was hoping that this would be a, a good match. But I already knew more or less that these two trios have a habit of working similar matches against anybody that they work against. We've talked about how often the girls, Laguneros, they'll do La, peri, la, periqueri, la Periquera, how often they'll do that spot. Um, every single match, it doesn't matter what it is, clockwork, that move, that spot. Um, and they're not the only people. Like I, They're not the only wrestlers that do this. It's not just NGD and Girls Laguneros. Ric Flair did this for for years. It worked for him. I think the one big difference, obviously, is Ric Flair was doing it in Seagulls matches. And he... He knew how to work it. You know, it was very different to what these guys are doing where, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, we're going to this point, then we're going to this point, then we're going to point C, point D, point E, you know, just the same thing over and over again. And and, and the, even the way they, the, the, they were moving, you kind of knew what they were going to do. And I thought the first two falls w- were that. I think NGD has a lot more to offer and they've actually proven it in the past we've seen Forastero when he teams up with anyone else when he was getting that little bit of a push against you know and I think he was working welterweights at that point in time like Volador Jr. and Carbonario and those guys and not so much teaming up with the with Sanson and Cuatrero I thought he showed a lot on his own same thing can be said about Sanson and Cuatrero when they were feuding with um, Angel Oro Niebla Roja they actually showed a lot that they could do. They had a lot of charisma. They could work. Um, Cuatrero is a really good worker. Um, but the problem is, put them into a trios match and they're sticking to the same formula. I kind of feel like they have to do something a little different. Um, the one, the few times that they've actually kind of like been forced to change a little bit and be um, a little more of a... Just be different as far as what they're doing in the ring is when they work against the Chavez brothers and Sobrano Jr. Those trios matches were really good. But usually when they're working against, you know, the the, the girls, Laguneros or certain trios like that, they kind of stick to the to what they always do. Um, and they're not they're they're far better than 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 that. They I think that they're they're not they're not that they should not be the type of trio that sticks to that type of um to, to just being a, a, a content with what they're doing in the ring. And that's what I saw in the first two falls. The first two falls were boring. They did a lot of the same stuff they do all the time. The third fall got a lot better. It picked up. Um, the finish was a little bit weak, but um, but I thought the point was that they just wanted to go switch over to NGD winning the trios titles. And now NGD is not only the CML world, but they are the national trios and the Occidente trios champions. I don't know if they're going to keep all three of those titles titles because usually CML forces guys who have multiple titles to drop at least one title. So I would not be shocked. And I think I think they hold more um, titles besides that. I think they they hold singles titles as well. So um, I would not be shocked if there's some some changes to what titles they'll be holding at, at a later date with them relinquishing a title, which unfortunately likely means that we'll have another tournament. But, you know, at CML, we always get to tournaments anyways. Um, but the other, obviously, NGD winning the trios titles. And then the other big news is Euphoria has left the Garros Laguneros. That has been something that, that, that has been building up since, um, I guess, since, what, October, November of last year. Um, it's been something that's been going on. And, you know, honestly, I think the Euphoria Ultimo Guerrero feud kind of got underrated by a lot of um, people who may obviously you know CMLL isn't getting the especially it's bad enough that they don't get it when they're actually running shows with fans in it when they're and and and, and having a, a weekly schedule but now deal 
being during a pandemic where their shows are are sporadic and you know on and off during several months uh it it didn't surprise me that there wasn't as much of a of a interest in that feud or it didn't get as much of a, a recognition um, because Euphoria did a really good job of building that um, that rivalry up and now they're basically now going to feud against I guess they're going to feud um, this is the latest member of Girls Laguneros that ends up leaving Ultimo Guerrero this this is this is basically the time under honor tradition of what Ultimo Guerrero um, his trios end up happening every single time it's basically kind of like a reverse um, sting or Hulk Hogan with uh, friends or tag team partners where those guys would get double crossed at some point by by a partner while Ultimo Girl gets doesn't really get double crossed but kind of like his well I guess he does get double crossed or his partners pretty much quit quit the the faction we've seen it with Ray Scorpion Atlantis Ray Bucanero um, and the list goes on and on on um, Niebla Roja um so many guys now you add euphoria it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do with this with ultimo girl and euphoria obviously they're going to do a singles program for the cml world heavyweight title uh, which i think should be really good just because ultimo girl does um that is one thing i will say that when he has those singles matches he usually does perform well and euphoria is really good as well um, but i'm kind of curious what becomes of them as far as um you know the trios world or the faction world of cmll um, who does Templario stay full time, replacing Euphoria and the trio? Does Templario end up going with Euphoria? Does Euphoria team up with Sobrano Jr., his son, um, more often? Does Euphoria become a full time technical? Um, that's another thing. Or does he remain a Rudo? I that's the one thing I will say. I do hope Euphoria stays a Rudo, because or at least a tweener type, because. Losing him to become a technical is going to be hard on the technicals in CML because he's probably the best base in the promotion. And I would hate to see him not be there to, like, you know, base for Mystico, Caristico, Volador Jr., um, the younger the younger guys that are coming up just because he's really good at doing it. Um, so hopefully he does. I think I'm, I was kind of like, it's funny because I know Euphoria when he was talking about if should he break up from, from Ultimo Guerrero what would he um would he consider forming a new faction and he kind of started mentioning some names that he he kind of suggested how about that trio that was going to form within the anniversary that was going to face the girls laguneros at the anniversary uh, remember um and she said on carvernario we're going to team up with templario and um templario kind of um wasn't too pleased about it what what if euphoria decides to team up with um and she said on carvernario or had she said teams up with Sobrano Jr., I think that would be a fun tag team. Um, I think we're seeing more tag team wrestling in CMLL right now. Um, it'd be kind of cool because you could put Euphoria and, and Sobrano Jr. as a tag team and maybe even challenge Caristico and Mystico or face Ultimo Guerrero, Grand Guerrero in matches. Um, I think that would be something that would be fun. Um, but as far as a trio, would they add Templario to the group or would they go for somebody else? Um, I think there's a lot of interesting possibilities and that, that kind of changes a little bit of CMLL. Um, the hard part right now with CML is that they're kind of sticking to the, the the regular crew, so you don't you're not getting any of the young guys that were scheduled to debut prior to the pandemic. Um, so we don't really know what what to expect from some you know we're not getting some fresh new um, faces in the promotion. Um, so you know for the time being that's basically not the it, it, it that's one of the the negatives of not having those guys uh, a, a fresh a fresh group of guys because you know if you look at the 
you know, Cubs fan always posts the the TV lineups, the 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 the, the, the matches that they're putting on, on for TV, and it's basically like you know one show will have like Electrico, or 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 what is it, um, Pequeño Violencia and Pequeño Nitro versus you know Chacarcito and and Astral, and then the other match will be like like um, Dark Magic and Mysterioso Junior versus Soberano Junior and and star jr you know something like that and then you'll have like the really good main event but um it's it's kind of like a weird um time to be watching those those not that it's not that it was like that much different prior to that because they've kind of they've kind of had the same group for about the last two years and it's not been that strong of a group of late um really ever since dragon lee roosh and a couple of those guys left uh, i mean what was that 2019 um it's really kind of been a a lot of uh, a mishmash of um a weirdness in cmll but um hopefully once the pandemic's over they'll they'll bring in some of the new guys um like blue panthers other son that tag team the gemelos diablos that they were going to supposedly bring in and i think there was at least one more guy that they were thinking of bringing in i think efesto son might be um also starting up pretty soon as well so uh, we might get some of those guys but like i said this trios match getting back to the trios match uh, I thought it wasn't very good. It was probably the worst match on the show. It was even worse than the women's match for me. And um, I, I don't know. Like, I know it's one thing to be a fan of these guys, but if you're watching this match, you just could tell the effort wasn't there. And the, the stuff that they were doing was just, you know, just what you would get from them on any other show. Um, it was like they could have just edited in a Puebla match or a Guadalajara match or a Tuesday match that these two trios might have had. Just put it on there and it would have been the same match that you would have seen a thousand other times. Now, speaking of the main event, compared to the the the, the previous match, it was like night and day. Um, Volador Jr. versus Bandito was an excellent match. Um, it's easily a front runner for match of the year in Mexico and probably one of the best matches um, so far in 2021. Uh, excellent match. I would probably, I mean, some people might put Hijo Vikingo versus Ares above this one, but I kind of think this might have been a little bit better for me. As far as, in my opinion, I thought this was a better match. I thought just because the, there was so much that was done in the match, and you don't normally get that at CMLL, especially coming from Bandito. Um, excellent. Um, a lot of cool dives throughout. The one negative I thought was obviously um, there was a botch spot towards the finish, and also the second fall I thought was was done pretty much by the numbers, similar to what you get from CMLL big match second falls, where if it's a if the if the first fall is anything like beyond five in that five minute range, the second fall is only going to be like a one to two minute fall, and then they obviously go for a long third fall. Um, this sh- this match I think went almost thirty minutes, uh, about twenty eight thirty minutes, and it was excellent. Um, a lot of cool dives, uh, a lot of innovative spots. I think at one point ba- Bandito had Volador Junior in the Atlantida, and then dropped him into like his knee, which looked really cool. It kind of looked like a I well, I think it's kind of like a, a an Atlantida into into a go-to-sleep where, you know, it, it looked kind of like a really cool spot. There was a Spanish fly for, off the ropes to the onto the mat, which I thought was really cool. 
yeah, there was so many like different dives throughout the 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 final the closing minutes of this match were excellent. Um, I think Bandito tried to do a spot that hadn't been done that he hadn't done definitely hasn't been done in CMLL. Uh, but um, it looked like he was gonna go for something and he ended up like not being able to get grab hold of um, Volador Jr. properly and dropped him. And then obviously the big finish was Volador Jr. using the Volador spiral to get the win on on Bandito. Um, I thought that was a cool spot. You don't, you know, it's kind of funny because the Volador spiral was such a big thing back when he was um, going up against Sobra, um, La Sombra and Mascara Dorada. And now, you know, and, and even Misty um, Caristico back in the day. But now, like, he doesn't use that as much because, you know, obviously two of his frequent opponents are no longer in the promotion. And then um, the other one is now a technical and they, they don't really face off against each other as much. But um, I thought that was something that was really cool to see, you know, him bringing that move back. Uh, but just a great match overall. Um, Bandito sold the neck injury. And um, he was going to get stretchered out, but they did the whole thing where he kind of got up, put the belt around um, Volador Jr. And, and then, you know, walked out, you know, they both raised each other's hands. He had the neck brace on and, you know, he was able to walk out on his own two feet with a couple of um, people helping him out. I thought this was a great match. Hope they do another one because I think this this is something that they can do again. I know a few people said that they hope that they could do this at, at, at Ring of Honor at some point just because there's that relationship between CMLL and um, and Ring of Honor. Who would have thought that would have done wonders? Um, you know, as far as um, Ring of Honor actually kind of building up Mexican talent in the promotion, you know, really of all the promotions in the United States, they've really been the ones that have kind of like done a lot more with their with the Mexican talent because, um, you know, they're pushing Rouge, um, Dragon Lee, Bandito, uh, Flamita, Ray Horace. So they have a, even Bestia del Ring is getting pushed. So they have a, 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 they're using them a little bit better than some of the other places. So to me, the biggest negative about this is that not enough people watch this match where they're, they're going to say that this was this was a match of the year um, because, you know, if, if someone like Dave Meltzer watched it and raved about it, on Twitter, uh, in his newsletter, then I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to seek it out. And unfortunately, um, CMLL didn't make it available. Somebody's going to have to put it up on YouTube at some point just to let, so that people can like can see it and maybe consider it for match of the year. Because, you know, unfortunately, when when they do those lists for for the Observer and you know other places, it ends up not show. You know, Lucha doesn't really end up being a a very uh, popular choice amongst. It's the, 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 the readers or voters of those um, websites. But this was an amazing match. Um, and again, like I, I, like I said, it shows how, how good CMLL could be if they just like use focus on the main good workers or talent. And, you know, I don't even think it so much good workers because even like if there's, there's promotions that just because you're, you have a promotion with a lot of good workers doesn't mean that you're going to draw talent, uh, draw a lot of people and, to to watch the shows um you need guys who have charisma but and maybe they can't work but the problem with cml is that they have a lot of guys who can't work and they have no charisma so they're, they're not they're you they're there's no reason to have them in the roster um so to me that's something that they really have to focus on on fixing so yeah the the other the other news from from the copa junior vip show was that um atlantis made a made an appearance and he, on the show, he announced that he would be returning at the next CMLL pay-per-view, which will be on April 24th. It will be a show that will be honoring 
um, the kids' day, um, Niño de Día del Niño, and also it will be celebrating the Arena Mexico 65th anniversary. So this should be another big show. I would I would venture to guess um, we'll probably get obviously we'll get an, some Atlantis in the match, but hopefully we'll get something. Hopefully Bandito will be available for this. I think Bandito has to be part of the the CML promotion uh, a little more frequently, especially if they're not going to be using Hechicero um, as much. Uh, on TV tapings, because for whatever reason, you, I know I know Hechicero's, um He's got to be somebody that at some point I don't know if he's healthy right now because I know he was dealing with some injuries the previous, um, late last year. So I'm not sure if he's 100 percent yet, but he's somebody that has to be a little bit more frequently on shows. Um, the other guy that actually made his way back to CMLL uh, as far as active duty is Barbara Carvernario. Um, last what was it last week it was announced that he was making his return and he actually returned on some recent tv set of tv tapings so he is back it's probably going to take him a while to get um to get that rust off because a lot of these guys we've seen even like the good workers have had um been a bit a little bit rusty um, the other thing i should mention before i get a, forget about this um during the volador junior bandito match they they were um on the top rope the top turnbuckle and they um they were talking about, actually, I don't even think they were talking about it, but I was remembering the Okumura Flyer match where Okumura Flyer climbed up to the top rope, top turnbuckle, and they were going to do a Super Frankensteiner, and they both fell off and all the way to the floor, which could have been a, a horrible accident. Fortunately, both guys are okay, but um, Okumura was on this past Wednesday's CML Informer and talked about how he really was scared about possibly re-injuring his neck and and being forced to you know who knows you know possibly retire from professional wrestling fortunately he didn't suffer an injury and like he said even he didn't know flyer had also fallen but um it was a scary thing um it actually it being cmll of course it made it onto their tv show i don't know it seems it's it's crazy that they would actually show that they show a lot of stuff about you know where these guys like where they don't look very uh, professional um well Bandito and Volador Jr. did that spot and did a uh, something. I think it was, I think it was no. I think it was a. It, it was either the Spanish Fly or they did do the. I think they did do the top rope Frankensteiner, but it was um, it was um Bandito getting Volador Jr. in the move, so. They did do it and they did not. They I think obviously Volador Jr. and Bandito are a completely different level of um, athlete to what Flyer and Okumura are. And honestly, Okumura probably shouldn't be doing taking top rope Super Frankensteiners at coming off a, a, a major neck injury. The other big news this last week, obviously, like I said in the previous podcast, Andrade was released by WWE. And that was actually the big news. And obviously, with um, Ring of Honor also having a pay-per-view, there was a lot of talk about La Facción Ingobernable with Roosh defending the the ROH World Heavyweight Title and you know his some of the other members in other title matches. There was a lot of talk about the Ingobernables, and this seemed to lead CMLL into making a decision, where they had Angel de Oro and Terrible appear on CMLL Informa, and they announced that their faction, which at one point was referred to as Los Terriblemente Chavez, which was a horrible name. They decided to announce that they were renaming themselves as Los Nuevos Ingobernables, uh, which, you know, immediately 
got a lot of negative feedback from everyone just because it's you know it's nothing original and pretty much everything that CMLL constantly would accuse AAA of doing they're now doing it, it's and I don't know I to me it, you can't really throw stones at the other place if you're actually doing the same thing and it's not the first time they do it either um, it's been something that's gone on for decades it, it's just it's just that people kind of forget they only remember the the good stuff. They don't want to remember all the other stuff that goes on within a promotion. They uh, every wrestling promotion has has their issues. Uh, every time I I go on Twitter, people are crapping on one promotion and talking about how this other one um, doesn't do that. But you know, for the most part, every wrestling promotion is has a moment or has has a bit of a brain freeze when it comes to certain things that go on within their promotion. And you know, obviously, and and their fans are that you know myopic where they don't realize that you know every wrestling promotion has their their quirks and their you know their warts of what they some of the dumb stuff that they do and i think this is really like something that sounded really came off really bad but the very least they actually had um angeloro explain that terrible having been a member of the of the ingobernables previous group invited them to join the group and that was the way that they were explaining it you know it's still a bullshit explanation um, especially because there is no um i don't think cma has any plans of bringing the other guys back in but it's such a dumb thing the one thing i will say is that who knows if they could ever reach an agreement to bring back you know the other ingobernables they could have a, a full scale brawl um between those group, those two factions, um, which I think would be entertaining, just because I do think Angel de Oro, Niebla Roja, and Terrible are very good. Angel de Oro and, and, and Niebla Roja, it's funny because I actually think they've done a lot more since dropping their masks and have shown a little bit more of a, an, uh, an attempt to just be a lot better than what they used to be compared to like the guys who actually beat them for the mask, Sanson and Cuatrero, who kind of feel like they've kind of, you know, they're complacent with what they're doing, um, which is, you know, very common when if you've been in a, if you're in a promotion where complacency is very common up and down the roster. Um, but, you know, the, this Nuevo Gobernables got a lot of negative feedback from fans. Um, Sombra kind of didn't, said he wished them well, like in a way where he didn't really care. And then um, Roosh kind of just, retweeted a lot of stuff stuff about you know people kind of talking negatively about it um, he did kind of say that he was kind of like he was more upset at the fact that the chavez brothers couldn't come up with something original that was their own thing and he was upset that terrible just didn't continue on his own as el ingobernable since he does feel that he is part of the group so to them it kind of felt like an insult but you know what do you expect cml it's that's what they're going to do um, they wanted to get something in the news during a time when they're doing a pay-per-view and also you know with andrade and Rouge and all these people all and dragon lee everybody kind of being brought up during the week they obviously kind of felt that they had to bring that up and maybe that would have gotten them a little bit more of a more people ordering their um their ticketmaster live show um i don't know if it actually helped uh and because it probably upset more people than more than anything else chavez brothers aren't very well liked by the fans and despite them being good um, I do think they're good as far as in-ring work but you know they're not they're not going to be the type of guys that 
are going to win over fans just because, you know, there you have a lot of um, Lucha fans that kind of want, you know, the rougher type of guys or they, they're, they're guys who are respected for being, um, they either have to be really terrific brawlers or really terrific technical mat-based, you know, wrestlers. They're not really, there's certain there's a certain fan base in Mexico that doesn't really like the high-flying, flippy guys, which might shock a lot of you guys because that's more of something that's common within the United States that, you know, you have the older generation of um, wrestling people that don't like that style. Um, but that happens also in Mexico. But yeah, I, I'm not really that, you know, I'm not. I'm kind of indifferent to it. I mean, it, it's just the name. Um, I would have preferred something different for them, but... You know, I did not like the Terriblemente Chavez name. It just sounded really, um, it didn't really flow <laughs> properly. Nuevos Ingobernables, I'm not really that high on it either just because you're just stealing, copying an, another group's name. Um, to me, they could have gone with something else and just called themselves something else. Another thing that happened recently, and this actually happened um, on Sunday, was that LA Park was challenging Roosh to a match where maybe he would put up his ROH title against LA Park's MLW title and Andrade actually responded to um, LA Park and told him that he was willing to put his hair on the line against them any place he wanted um, as long as he could find a promoter that could pay them well for that match. LA Park then responded saying that he still owed him for taking his um, nephew's mask, Volador Jr.'s mask. He still owed him for that so he was gonna, he wanted to get revenge for Volador Jr. against Andrade. Um, so that was actually kind of cool, but like I said, the, the 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 that was the other thing with um with um while they were doing this conversation, the 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 other big news during the week was that Roosh he's been talking about a new project that he's been working on. He revealed on um, Lucha Libre Online that he is planning he is going to be that project that he's working on is going to be a new promotion that is scheduled to start in June. And he said it's going to be really good. Every time they start a new promotion, they always say this stuff. So I expect this to be said as well. When they eventually do more, give you more details on this, expect them to be very much talking about how this is going to be the hottest thing in in Mexico and all this stuff. Um, I don't know why they're starting a, a new wrestling promotion during a pandemic, especially if they're going to start in June. Mexico is way behind um, the United States as far as vaccinations. And I would assume they're probably not going to be by June ready to have uh, people attending shows or at least not having a, a full capacity of fans in attendance, I would guess maybe they would be at, you know, 30% or so. Um, and even then, who knows? Because, you know, a lot of the, I don't know, a lot of these promotions say that they're only doing 30%. And when you see, we've seen a few um, photos of shows, there's usually more fans in attendance. And all it takes is that one spot to be a, a super spread, spreader spot and you know they'll just shut everything down again so that's something that they should be worried about as well but I'm kind of curious to see if Ali Park will also be part of this and obviously Andrade um, Roosh said that he's not really um, he's not I don't think he's trying to let that out of the bag where he's going to say oh yes um, Andrade is going to be part of it. He's kind of saying he's kind of wishing Andrade well, whatever decision he makes. But I have a weird feeling that he'll also be involved in some way with this whole thing with um, with um, Rouge as far as the new promotion. As long as it doesn't feature Alberto Patron, then it might be something worth checking out. 
Um, but like I said, we've always get this stuff about a new promotion coming up and it usually ends up just falling apart and being something that becomes forgotten a year later. Um, most recent one, Lucha Libre Elite. The other one, Nacion Lucha Libre. Um, those two promotions didn't really last that long. Well, that's it for this week. I don't know when we'll do another show. My guess is uh, we'll probably do a show previewing the April CMLL pay-per-view, unless it's something that really is underwhelming. Um, but for the most part, I'll try to preview that as well as if there's any news, uh, I will do an update on a, on that podcast. I'm going to try to do these a little bit more frequently, maybe, you know, at least one every month just to make sure that um, there's, you know, there's something out there that to talk about. Um, there's plenty to talk about, honestly, but, you know, don't want to like, go months i think what was it the last show in between one episode 124 and 125 was about a three-month period where there was nothing really going on not that that necessarily means that we've done this before as well with previous lucha world podcasts even when there were shows we would take a couple of weeks months off from doing shows just because other things would come up Um, but i will try to keep keep a little bit more of a regular routine with this podcast for more news and updates from the world of Lucha Libre, check out LuchaWorld.com. Um, for wrestling reviews, check out RetroWrestling.com. Check out our YouTube channel called the Retro Wrestling YouTube channel, uh, where you will find the Lucha World podcast, some Retro Wrestling reviews, additional content on there. And for more content, you could check us out at the Patreon, at our Patreon page. At Patreon.com slash LuchaWorld, where we have lucha magazine write-ups the lucha classica podcast the video vault the monthly video vault that features 10 dvd titles every month we have three tiers available at one dollar three dollars and five dollars the five dollar reward tier gets you pretty much everything the three dollar one is more of a lucha exclusive type of thing because you'll get the lucha magazine write-ups as well as the lucha classica podcast Um, but really the five dollar one you get the the video vault. So yeah, that's it for this week. Thanks everyone again for listening and we will be back again soon.